This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now, though, first-time claims for unemployment benefits, uh, well, they seem to have dropped significantly. That and the credibility of the Fed is being called into question. Let's talk about it with Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Uh, Gus, let's go ahead and begin with these jobless claims. This is people filing for the first time for unemployment benefits, and these numbers look pretty good. Um, yeah, that's right. They fell to their lowest level since 1969. Uh, that being said, I think they're probably overstating the improvement in the job market. There are some issues with the, around the holidays and so forth. But still, I think that businesses continue to hire. It's very strong and that the job market will continue to improve throughout 2022 as well. And what are we seeing? You know, fewer people maybe being laid off. I mean, I guess that's what we're seeing here. But what about uh, employers having people actually get hired? Are they finding it that more and more people are are actually wanting to go back to work? Uh, we did see an increase in the labor force in November. Now, that was just one month, but certainly it's an encouraging sign that almost 600 thousand people return to the job force in November. Uh, I would expect that we will have more continue to return as more people are vaccinated, uh, as childcare centers reopen, but it's going to be a gradual process. And I think hiring is going to be difficult in the near term. How important is that to the wider economy to get more people back to work? Absolutely. It's very important. Uh, a big, you know, businesses can't sell things. We see restaurants are closed. Uh, uh, trucking firms can't find drivers. All of this. So as we get more people into the labor force, that will allow for stronger job growth and stronger economic growth. We're going to talk about the Fed here in just a moment, but let's begin with inflation, because that's obviously the one of the major things the Fed is grappling with. Uh, what are we seeing in that regard? We, we've already given up the idea that it's transitory. I mean, it looks like it's going to be here for a while. Um, yeah, and we get a reading on the uh, consumer price index tomorrow. I think we'll see another big jump there. Uh, I am hopeful that we will see a slowing in inflation in 2022 as some of these supply chain difficulties get themselves worked out. Uh, but, uh, you know, inflation is higher than the Federal Reserve would like it, no question about that, and, and it's weighing on consumer confidence. So what can the Fed do? Uh, certainly there's no short-term fix. Um, yes, what the Fed can do is it can raise interest rates more quickly than it was expecting. So it could reduce its purchases of longer-term securities, treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, putting upward pressure on interest rates, reducing the incentive to borrow. It could raise short-term rates. Uh, but that doesn't happen overnight. It takes its time for those effects to work their way through the economy. Um, so uh, the question is, how much do we see a slowing in inflation in 2022? Uh, how much is the Fed concerned about longer run inflation that they need to raise interest rates more quickly than they were expecting. So when it comes to the Fed's credibility and people trusting that the Fed, I hate to say knows what it's doing, but you know can make the right policy moves, uh, what are we seeing or what are we hearing? Because you had the Fed, they're the ones that said transitory. Now we're seeing that they were wrong on that. 
Um, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people have been wrong on that. Uh, I don't want to put the blame just on the Fed. We've been in an unprecedented situation. Uh, you know, we're still down by 4 million jobs from where we were before the pandemic, but at the same time, inflation is high, uh, and the Fed is supposed to be looking at both inflation and employment. So they have a difficult task ahead of them. Uh, we're dealing with a situation that we've never seen before. Uh, we still have lots of unknowns about out there about the Omicron variant and so forth. So they have a very difficult task ahead of them for the next year or two. Thanks so much, Gus Fauché, Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services. An hours-long outage at Amazon Web Services yesterday caused chaos on multiple platforms. Let's discuss the breakdown. Adam Levin, co-host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin, also author of the book Swiped. Uh, Adam, do we have any idea yet what caused this outage, or is that not really being released yet? It really isn't being released yet. You know, there are some people with darker views of this that think it could be the result of, let's say, a denial of service attack, where an outrageous amount of traffic is thrown at a particular website, and that brings the website down. And if that website uh, has services connected to other places, it could bring them down as well. Uh, so, it, And it also could just be a, a technical glitch. Uh, but you remember that when the Internet was first revealed to the world, it was supposed to be able to withstand a nuclear attack because of the, you know, the decentralization of the, of the, of the Internet. Uh, however, this shows because of consolidation, uh, the things that can happen when a major digital hub goes down, it can take a lot of folks with it. Yeah, not just Amazon. I mean, you're talking right at the holidays, a lot of people shopping. Not only does it mess with Amazon and their delivery times, but there are many websites dependent upon Amazon. No, you're talking about everything from Coinbase to Netflix to Venmo to Disney Plus to Ring, uh, Fidelity Investments, uh, you know, even NPR. Uh, and uh, it, it has, it, you know, these kinds of things have repercussions. Now, you know, it's one thing if you're watching The Mandalorian and your viewing is interrupted uh, because the stream is down because of a problem. Uh, but it gets more serious when you're talking about people trying to do, for instance, financial transactions. And all of a sudden things go dark. And the problem with with these kinds of digital hubs is that there's not like you can pick up the phone and call somebody immediately. Uh, the problem is that, that you can't get someone on the phone, and as a result, it can be a pretty terrifying experience. Yeah, not, and especially if you're a smaller business, many rely on Amazon's website. I mean, the web they're hosting, too, but Amazon's website for big-time sales this time. You're a big part of their budget. No, no, absolutely. And this, again, demonstrates the whole concept that the technology that makes us powerful also makes us vulnerable. And, uh, you know, it is time to think about alternatives. And that is if you're dealing with something that's purely digital, but you're also involved with processes that, you know, keep the doors open or, uh, you know, involve your finances, you always have to have kind of a backup plan. And that backup plan has to include somewhere you can go and some human being that you can talk to who can help you through. Yeah, because one of my questions was how to how to prevent this. That's really the only way to do it, right? I mean, there's really no other way to prevent this because there are going to be things like this that happen in the future. Oh, no, no. We have to assume that this is a fact of life, 
you know, we are as uh, more digitally connected now than ever before. You know, it's the whole theory of someone sneezes in Peoria, someone's got a cold in Paris. Uh, you know, this is the world. And so we have to figure out how to operate in this world and find alternatives. And that's not so easy to do. Uh, but as we see more and more and more consolidation, uh, when you have these digital hubs in particular, when they suffer some kind of issue, uh, this can definitely impact organizations worldwide in all sorts of disciplines. And that's disturbing. Thanks so much, Adam Levin. Always good to talk with you, co-host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Suburban headquartered Walgreens is looking to sell its overseas business, while rival CVS is focusing on becoming more of a healthcare destination. Let's find out more. Bruce Japson is with us, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes. Bruce, good to have you with us. Let's begin with Walgreens. They're looking to downsize a little bit. Well, Cisco, these are just uh, reports. There was a report in a, a British tabloid for what that's worth that Walgreens was going to consider um, di divesting its UK Boots pharmacies. For those of you who've traveled overseas know that Boots is a, is a big brand. It's like the Walgreens of the UK, and there's uh, talk that they might divest that. More broadly, I mean, if they were to do that, Walgreens is spending a huge amount of money. You know, they invested over $5 billion in the Chicago-based Village MD, which is rolling out doctor practices uh, that are attached to Walgreens, uh, two physicians in Walgreens and so forth, to compete with CBS Health, which has long had the uh, nurse practitioner staffed clinics. So you have essentially what people can look forward to is more primary care services in or attached to their pharmacies, or in the case of CBS, affiliated with their pharmacies, because CBS said today in their investor day that I watched that they were going to uh, look at acquiring more physician practices. So this is really a sea change for your corner drugstore. And you have, uh, you're, you're touching on this, CVS really wanting to be more than a corner drugstore and, and moving more in that direction. Yeah, definitely. And what you also understand the difference between CVS and Walgreens is CVS, you know, a couple years ago bought Aetna, which is the nation's third largest health insurance company. And so if you are in the Aetna health benefit plan or the CVS Caremark pharmacy benefit plan, you would tend to get more discounts and such if you used a CVS facility. Of course, you might be, uh, depending on the health plan, you might be restricted to those facilities. But the whole effort is is to better coordinate uh, care and primary care for certain with what these pharmacies are doing. Uh, which hopefully will be good to the, for the consumer down the road. Yeah, because the, the consumer, I mean, it's, it's really becoming the one-stop shop, which is uh, what, what has happened in other retail, where they, people just want to go into one place and get it all done there. Definitely. And CVS's uh, head of physicians, uh, their top physician at CVS today said that they're going to be looking at adding more specialty services so it wouldn't be just your episodic care when you go in but definitely they're looking to not only do primary care, but some specialized services down the road. I don't think that will mean surgery, but, you know, I didn't predict the pandemic either. So who knows? <laughs> Thank you so much, Bruce Japson, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes.
A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed. The Dow up 54, the NASDAQ down 143, and the S&P down 9 points. Let's see what's going on. Paul Nolte is here, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Paul, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Yeah, it's a little bit of a reversal from yesterday when tech really was leading the rally and everything else was kind of slumping. And I think we're getting a little bit of that change now as you know the the weekly jobless claims came in at multi-decade lows. And the reading on that is a very healthy employment market and one that should support at least uh, the quote-unquote reopening trade. And so investors have, at least for today, rotated a little bit away from technology and into some of those reopening stocks. Yeah, the volatility that we've been seeing really over the last several weeks, is that expected as we figure our way out of this pandemic? Will that continue? Yeah, I think so. It's one that's that's really been a hallmark as we get different uh, bits of news on uh, either a new variant, different variant uh, rise or fall in number of cases, uh, et cetera. We're seeing that being reflected in the market on a daily basis <clears throat> by the types of stocks that do well or do poorly. So it, from a very short-term perspective, we're still fairly beholden to uh, the news flow. So with the volatility, how, how does an investor react? What, what do you do? Is it defensive? What, what do you do with your portfolio? Yeah, one of the things that's interesting to us is just a, is how the yield curve or how bonds are reacting. And we're seeing that flattening of the yield curve. The Fed last week, Chair Powell said, you know, we're going to be cutting this tapering uh, is going to happen kind of quick. And by implication, then the first rate hike is going to happen sometime mid-year next year. That typically spells trouble for stocks. So for us, we're looking at taking some money off the table out of the equity markets and maybe being a little bit more defensive. But that's a longer term, maybe one to one and a half year look out. On a day-to-day -day basis, we want to take some money out of the technology area. We think that's extended and, and move toward some of the more defensive areas, consumer staples, utilities, uh, healthcare, industrial type stocks. Uh, those are tend to be fairly undervalued in this market. And even if the markets do correct some sometime next year, they should hold up fairly well. Do you find with the tech stops, uh, stocks that a lot of investors, they really hesitate to get out of there because those are the stocks that always seem hot. They're the sexy ones. They're the ones that everyone's talking about. And, and the idea of getting out and getting into these staples, you know, it seems kind of boring. It is. <laughs> and that's, you're exactly right. And, and two, I've got huge gains. You know, we bought Apple five, ten years ago, and we've made, you know, multiple times our money. I, I can't sell that and write a check to the government for the capital gain. I'm just going to hang on to it. It's a good company. And you're right. It is a very good company. However, the valuations from our way of looking at things on, on many of those stocks are expensive. So it's not really an all or nothing decision, but maybe take some money off the table, take off maybe 10 or 15% of the position at least this year. And then you can do that again early next year as well and pay those taxes sometime later on. But I think you want to have at least a strategy to reduce some of that exposure. What about some of the travel stocks? If they can airlines, cruise lines, hotels, uh, as especially the airlines say, they're they're not totally pre-pandemic, but they're they're doing pretty well. 
they are doing very well. If you've done any traveling through airports, you know that the you know the planes are full and the airports are, are reasonably busy here. Uh, as a matter of fact, Southwest said the fourth quarter they should be profitable and they're projecting profitability all next year. I think those again they're very dependent on a day-to-day basis of the the news flow around the coronavirus, and so you may have those opportunities where things look kind of dire in, in a particular day to pick up some of those high quality names, maybe at a little bit lower price, but your time horizon has to be really two, three, four years and beyond. It's not one that you're going to be able to uh, or want to try to trade because it's just too difficult to do. But from a very long-term perspective, uh, I think there's some value there. Thanks so much, Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Clothing retailer Ralph Lawrence unveiled a holiday-themed experience complete with unique outfits for the game Roblox. Let's learn more about the project. Matt Wren is here, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. Uh, So Ralph Lauren figuring out something Nike and others have already figured out. If people are in the game, you may as well try to sell them something. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. Um, It's interesting because, you know, the question comes up with a lot of people, and I I read a little bit about what Ralph Lauren is doing, that they're actually going to be selling clothing that can be used for Roblox characters obviously, you know, much cheaper than physical clothing, uh, but they are actually looking to sell the clothing, which is, again, that's that's one of the, you hear that in some of the other platforms, I haven't heard that too much about Roblox, although Roblox is built for it, which is kind of neat. And and so help people who are not familiar with Roblox to understand this. I mean, people are actually in this game, they're playing this game, they have characters, they have neighborhoods, they have clubs where they can hang out, they can go to concerts. And, and, and so if you're going to have this experience, well, you may as well dress your character well. Exactly. Roblox as a platform is actually, it's really neat because the users of Roblox can actually create the content for it as well. So essentially I can go and, you know, you alluded to the Nike, uh, the Nike experience there. Nike is doing this. They're creating Nike world basically. So as a user of Roblox, I can go and create kind of my own little world and I can put games, it's a game and I can put games in there and I can have those games either be free or be paid for. Um, And if they're paid for, then I can actually generate revenue for it. But in addition to, you know, having that, I can also have unique things like certain types of clothing or certain materials in there that, again, they can either be free and people can earn them by playing in my world or they can buy them. Uh, so it's, it's this whole, you know, sort of internal video game economy that exists. It's really neat. So help uh, people understand this here when it comes to what Ralph Lauren is shelling out here. I mean, it, it doesn't what does it cost you to come up with uh, with sort of virtual clothing in a game? So, and I, I might be quoting the numbers wrong, and I don't have the article in front of me, so I apologize, but I'll, I'll say kind of as an analogy, let's, let's assume a Ralph Lauren shirt costs $100 in the physical world for me to go to a store and buy the shirt. And in Roblox, you have this, this thing called Robux, which is the Roblox money. 
And it might cost 100 Robux to buy the Ralph Lauren shirt in Roblox so that your character can wear it in Roblox. And if that's the case, you know, one, I want to say it, it's about equivalent to a penny right now for Robux. So, you know, 100 Robux is really the equivalent of $1, one physical dollar in the real world. But it, it does equate to real, actual, like, American money. And there's no materials. I mean, Ralph Lauren isn't having, I guess yeah, there's got to be some sort of development, but it's not the same as having people in factories taking material and turning it into those shirts. Well, no, there's there's a coder who wrote some code and designed it. And, I, you know, as, again, as I read from the article and from what I've seen, they are making the clothing in Roblox kind of parallel an actual physical clothing line that they're releasing in the physical world. Um, so it's going to have some uniqueness to it, and it's definitely going to be on brand for them. But no, you, they don't have to actually leave. So it's got to be. Uh, not be no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. There's got to be other retailers wanting to get on this, too. We talked about Nike, but there have to be other retailers. I'm thinking uh, for different food that you can play around with and enjoy in Roblox. Um, I've, I'm, not so much, I'm not so sure about the food vendors, to be honest with you. I've seen a couple of different clothing brands. I think, you know, Gucci, Gucci just had an announcement. They paired up with um, Xbox on a, on a project where I think there's actually a Gucci brand at Xbox, although that's, that's more physical world as opposed to something that's being done in the metaverse. But you're seeing this more and more. You're definitely seeing like the clothing brands, Nike, Ralph Lauren, Gucci, some of them, they're Polo, or Polo is Ralph Lauren, sorry. Uh, but they're definitely kind of pairing up and starting to realize that they have a market in these virtual worlds, just like they do in the physical world. And there, there's a parallel. The people who are shopping in the virtual worlds also equate to people who are shopping in the physical world. So, you know, being dominant in one helps you to also market to the other. And when people are in these games, it's not just 15 minutes. They're in there for hours, and that has to be one of the things that makes it attractive to retailers. Absolutely. That's the, the one thing about the video games, Roblox in particular. My kids play Roblox. I, won't, I don't actually let them buy things in Roblox right now, but they both play it, and they play it a lot. It's on their phones. They are playing all the time. They get to play with their friends. So they'll, they'll see their friends in school, and then they'll be at home three hours later, and they're playing with the same friends in Roblox, even though they're obviously not in the same location. So it's like a lot of other video game worlds like that in that, you know, they have friends that they've made that are their actual fr friends in the physical world. But they also have friends that are people that might be across the country that they don't see or that they may have never met in person before. But they see them all the time in the games that they play as well. Thanks so much for all the latest. Matt Wren, co-founder, chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. It's Technology Thursday. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The company Rent the Runway, changing strategy. It's struggling to make a profit. Let's get the latest from Jan Rogers-Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffen Worldwide. Uh, Jan, begin for people who are not familiar where they talk about the, the Rent the Runway concept and what they do. Well, Rent the Runway uh, was the first big player to decide that they would come out and basically rent you the outfit. And the way it got started was basically renting prom gowns to college girls. And now it rents everything to everybody. But that's the way it started out. It was the same concept that we used to rent tuxedos to guys to go to important events. They started written, renting gowns to young women to go to important events. And then they branched out. They started renting dress clothes, dress up clothes to everybody. And now you can just get your work clothes there, but it's rental program. You rent it, you wear it, you send it back, you get another outfit, you join the club and you get to continue to wear different outfits for a fraction of the cost of actually owning the outfits. Seems like a no brainer, right? Why would you want to own it if you could rent it and just keep wearing different things? And every time you were on Facebook, you'd have a new outfit on and you wouldn't have to have bought one. And that's the way 
they started this concept and it's grown and now it's a public company. So it's a big player in the space. And it's kind of like the same concept as things like Poshmark or the real real where you're buying used clothes and then you're selling them and you're buying the next batch and you're increasing the velocity of your closet, except in this case, you never own them. You just rent them. It's going to be a big business, just like buying the secondhand business is going to be a big, big business. Neither one of those is totally novel, right? We've done both of those forever. There's always been consignment shops and there's certainly almost always been rental of dress clothes for guys. But now we've branched it out dramatically, and it's, of course, more environmentally friendly. You don't have to make nearly as much clothes. It's cheaper for the person if they really want to keep changing outfits. So it's a great concept. And why have they struggled? I mean, why not profitable? You mentioned places like Tuxedo Outfits, and they make money. Well, we owned the biggest tuxedo outfit in the country called After Hours Formal Wear back in the day, and we made lots of money at about a 70% gross profit margin. However, this business has been tougher because it's complicated by needing a lot of inventory and a lot of different sizes. And the big problem has been it's very costly to get it to you. When you used to rent a tuxedo, you went to the shop, you picked up your tuxedo, and you took it back to the shop, and they charged you for all the damage you did. However, now we're sending it to your house. And so when you start the cost of sending it back and forth and cleaning the product, of course, you've got to be the biggest cleaners company in the country if you're going to be giving people clothes that other people have worn. So those two components of the cost are really big, but but the big problem is really the shipping it back and forth. So now they're looking for, for some ideas on getting you to pick it up. Like that's not novel, but they haven't been doing it. That could cut their cost. And they're also looking to partner with designers so that they basically share in the revenues. And generally, they can do that on a cheaper basis than buying the garment from the designers. So there's a couple of inventory light ideas they've got going on to increase the profitability. Thanks for all the details and analysis. Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.